Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Dave Butler. I'm Grace Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We are super excited to finish up the book of Hebrews today. We are, we do, this is our scripture study podcast and we move through um, the scriptures and we point out all the things that we think you don't want to miss. Just a, just a sampling, y'all, because there's so much that is so good in there. I, one thing I love about, we taught four years ago, like Don't Miss This was around four years ago and we rotate in scripture and seminary and institute and stuff like that. But, and it's like, it's crazy when you come back, it's like an old friend, you have all your old favorites that are in there, but then there's so many cool things that just um, pop up that you're like, what? Who knew that that was even in there? And it's so cute. Like today when I was teaching, it made me so happy because all the kids were like, I love this. And then in my head, I was like, yeah, me too. I was like, okay, I understand. I like I can't get over that one that Paul's prayer. I can't even remember what book it was in, but I like I swear I look it up every week because I'm like, wait, where was that really good? I should have to go back to my journal and be like, wait, where was that prayer? There's just it's so cute. Anyways, we obviously can't cover all the awesome stuff, but we just a just a little sampling of all the good things and hopefully help you out um, in your own personal study. Like this can be your class, or it can get you ready to also to teach a class or share some things with a family or friends or just hopefully be a boost for your week. So um, we're happy that you're here. We are going to go into the second half of the book of Hebrews today. And then, oh, I'm glad I put this here. Um, Okay. If you missed last week's video, we announced last week that all of our uh, treasures for the Book of Mormon are available. All the resources that we make for to help you become a Come Follow Me champion, they're all available at Deseret Book. And go get them all. They're in stock, but you want to get them so that they don't sell out. Just get all ready for next year. And to answer a most common question, um, everything is different except for the devotional book. It has a new cover, but if you bought it four years ago, don't buy it again unless you're buying it for somebody else. Okay. So that everything else is everything else is new. The journal is new, the tip-ins are new and better. This is better. The, the, <laughs> everything is new and better, new and improved, you know? And if you want more information on everything, if you're new to all of that, go to last week's video at the beginning and you can, and you can just see what all of that is, including our brand new like calendar thing. Go check that out. You're going to so love fun. that. It's actually really, really it. cool. And we still have one more prize yet to come. It's being finished and designed. Think Old Testament timeline to give a hint. And then um, we will show that once that is ready. Okay. So anything you want that, go back to last week's video. But there's your reminder. These are ready to go. Go get them right now and be ready for next year. Oh, it gets you so excited. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun to like flip through it and start getting excited about the Book of Mormon. But I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. Don't get too excited about the Book of Mormon. We have some really, really cool stuff coming, including today. It's so good. This is, these are some of the best chapters, I think, um, at, at least in the New Testament on on faith, on what, I mean, what a big word that is, you know, and, and has so much nuance and has so much, um, like depth and richness to it. That word does. And today in the chapters today, we're going to just, we're going to dive into just a study and a discovery on what that means, what faith means, both God's faithfulness to us and our responding faithfulness back to him and just what that might look like um, in somebody's life. So we're just going to see a lot of that throughout it, particularly Hebrews chapter 11, which is the Faith Hall of Fame. We're going to look at that chapter that is just Paul or whoever wrote Hebrews just put in there to encourage everybody on their own journey of faith. Like there's just some some winners today, everybody. Not that there's losers in other weeks, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> there's just some really, really good stuff. And we're calling it of good things to come, uh, which is kind of what our first, our first little segment that we want to look at um, from Hebrews chapter nine. If you were with us last week, you may remember that um, the writer of the Hebrews is trying to um, show that we have angels and we have temples and we have the law, and we have all these wonderful things that were given, 
but they were all shadows of the greater things to come. And in these beginning chapters in seven and eight and nine of this week, he's going to talk about we have high priests. We have these, um, under the Mosaic law, we had these people among us whose job was to connect us with God, to to show us his will and help us to reconcile our relationship together. And then just like he did last week with other things, he says, but we have an even greater high priest than the ones that you remember in the temples. And he gives Jesus a name in Hebrews chapter nine that is just, will become one of your favorites. And if you were with us last week, you remember we had this in in the journal, a page of some of his that divided up the works of Christ, the attributes of Christ, and the titles of Christ. And you could continue that with the book of Hebrew. Or if you're teaching both halves together, like lump all of this um, together, you can still use that verse. But if you go to Hebrews chapter 9, uh, verses 11 and 12, this is what it says. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. And... There, we went to this church. Um, where were we in DC? DC. Was it in DC? Yeah. We went there for the Christmas, the chosen Christmas. Um, what was that? There, I have like, no memory. It was like a red carpet event, or yeah. whatever it was, you <laughs> Something know. Something good, yeah. It was fun. Um, and we got to meet Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> big day, <for laughs> yeah, it was a really, really big day. Uh, and while we were there, we went to this other church that was there in DC from a pastor who's books I, you know, read years ago and was just really excited to go to it. And when you walk into the door, there is this huge mural. If you're listening on podcast, you can't see the picture of it painted on the wall. The best is yet to come. And I even got a sticker there. I remember and I put it on my water bottle and it's still there. This name of Jesus is one of my favorites, that he is a high priest of good things to come. Uh, one great thing, if you're going to focus on this, maybe in a, in a family scripture study or family home evening or a lesson, you'll want to look up Elder Holland's, um, video that was done about his talk. The whole talk is fantastic. If you're wanting to lean into studying that this week, a high priest of, of good things to come. And, and it just, uh, hopefully just makes sense that there is this idea of, of hope. And there is this concept of you can actually believe and, and something better to come. And, and that probably means after this life is what it's talking about. Because the high priest, their job was to enter into the holy place, to, to part the veil and, and kind of be a forerunner and lead us into the presence of God, to the, this new world that he's going to create, heaven, the new Jerusalem. And that is because obviously for the Christians living at this time, good things are are not necessarily ahead of them. And so we want to look and, and just say, you can live in your questions. You can live in your doubts. You can live in your pain. You can live in your disappointments, being encouraged by the fact that there is something to hope in. And it's not a fairy tale and it's not wishful thinking. But you, you'll see when we get to Hebrews 11 that that Paul wants to connect the ideas of faith and hope together. That hope is something um, that's, uh, it's more than just like, I hope they win or I hope the weather's good tomorrow. That there is something founding in it, that it's solid, that you can, you can get strength from the kind of hope that our high priest of good things to come offers us. And I think it's neat that in verse 12, you start to get that idea is like, it's not by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood. Uh, there is, he, he teaches this concept a little bit later in verse 17. He says, a, a witness is in force after people are, are dead. Meaning like the, what do you call that when you get something? A will. That a will is only in force. Like you receive the inheritance after somebody dies. And he's talking about that with Jesus. He was like, your name is already in the will. The inheritance is already guaranteed for you. He already died. So that is something that you can bank on. It's not a, a, a wish or anything ahead. It's like, okay, it is set. The contract's been written. The, the, you know, it's in full force. And that's what he gives as this evidence of why you can have that kind of hope 
in something better in the future. Well, and I just love that. I think sometimes, especially with hope, that this name almost for one second could seem like a little bit intimidating or like almost a little bit bothersome in the sense that like today is like the first day of real winter. It feels like in my heart, like it's so cold. And if you ask me about if there's good things coming in my head right now, the answer is no, because it's winter coming, (laughs) you know, like it's just like, oh no, like that is just going to be not it for me. And when I read this today, like I was like looking at that name, like good things to come. And I think sometimes if you're in a moment that that seems impossible, this name kind of bothers a little bit and irks. Mm. But I also think that's one of the be- most like, beautiful parts about it is that like, could you imagine if on like Friday when Jesus had just been crucified, if you told Peter that was Jesus's name, you know, yeah, that right. if you're like, oh, wait a minute, like, don't you forget? Like, could you imagine Mary's reaction if you're like, oh, wait, he's actually the high priest of good things to come. Like your day might feel like Friday, like the worst possible thing ever happened, but he proved on the cross and in the tomb that like, oh no, like no matter how bad your day is, no matter how bad your circumstances are, like I promise good things are coming. Yeah. And it's, I love that you bring that up because we actually, like he's saying in that verse there where he says, the hope is not just in like a crossing of your fingers or like, or a blowing out of a birthday candle but in an actual event and in an actual person, Jesus, there, he really died on the cross. He really was buried in the tomb and the witnesses came back and the tomb was empty. My hope actually can rest in, in an actual event in, in something I can point to in the history of the world that it rests in. And that's why it can be that's why it can be so encouraging. And it's not just, I lay down my head at night and think like, man, I'm just like really pumping myself up for, for something. I just like the other day that um, we're a big baseball family. We're watching the Astros and it was game seven. And I don't want anyone to at me or DM me about the Astros. Okay. Because we're having a mourning period right now. Okay. But game seven started and I like actually said to Jones, I was like, Jones, I've got a really good feeling about this game. Like I got a good feeling, you know? But in actuality, what I, I, there was nothing substantial for me to like root that good feeling in. Like there was no reason for me to have mm. that kind of um, hope. And so we use that word to become, it can be like super flaky, but in this context, in the story of Jesus, you really can rest in the hope of that the best is yet to come. He turned the most hopeless day in the entire history of the earth into the most miraculous just in three days. Right. And then in my heart, I just want to be like, oh, actually, I can believe that good things are going to happen in my life because if he could do that, what could he do with my bad days? Yeah. Yeah. There really could be good things coming. Right. Uh, I want to add in just one other uh, quick thought unto this. Um, Verse 28. uh, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear. And I love just that idea, again, of that hope. Like, look for him. Um, You're going to see him. You're going to see what chapter 10 calls a shadow in verse 1 of good things to come. Like there, And and don't you love that shadows only come when there is a bright light? You know, and it's just Mm. like, so there's a bright light somewhere in the distance that's now causing a shadow into your life. So you know if you see a shadow, there's it light means somewhere. there's light somewhere. And he's asking us to look for it and look for those shadows of the really good things to come. And I know I said one thing, and I meant two, because I just do. <laughs> but we're going to be in chapter 10 in a second anyway, so you might as well go there. Um, just look at these phrases. There are two that just like bring me so much hope in Hebrews 10.10. Where he just says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. I just love that. It's not hanging in the balance. No one's waiting, like biting their fingernails. Like they're just seeing if it, it's like, it's done. It's happened once and for all. And that's why you can have this hope in it. And then this is all over scripture. I just thought of this like recently that where he says in 12, but this man, <laughs> Jesus after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. 
And that doesn't mean that he's not actively involved in our life. That's not what it's teaching. What I think it's teaching is he's not pacing heaven's floor right now. Like, and, and, and wondering, and, and he is sitting, relaxed. I di- it's over. Like, I, I don't, there's no, like, There's nothing worry. more for me to do. Yeah, there's, and, and there's no worry. I can actually sit here and just be like, ah, I can rest in what has been done. Because it's unbreakable, and it's guaranteed, and it's happened once and for all. So cool. Yeah. So. Oh, I love that. Um, okay, now the next section, we are going to go... We called it of them that believe, and it's so fitting because the cutest verse ever is in this, but also because this chapter, like to me, right when I read it, it really is a chapter for those, like the faithful people, the people trying to figure out this faith thing in the middle of trying to build, grow, live in faith. And maybe- Like on a Friday. It's almost like these are the Friday people, yes. right? Where it's like, I haven't seen it happen yet. I, I love that- um, a lot of Christian scholars will call the time period we live in already, but not yet. Mm. So it's like the, he's sat down, the victory's been won, but you look around the world, it's not and looking like, like it doesn't, a w. Look, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> like right? So I'm the already, but not yet is that place that chapter 10 seems to talk about. And right when I read it, I think also part of this is because the season that we're in right now is the World Series, NBA just started. It's football season, everything. It feels like every sports event is happening. And legit, when I read this, it like feels like a halftime speech. Mm, You know, that like right when you get into these verses, (laughs) it is legit like a little halftime speech. And even like all of a sudden I started thinking, I was like, okay, it actually is written like a halftime speech in the sense that like the first part is like, okay, here's how we're going to finish the second half. Like, let's look at like what happened in the first half and what could go better. And because in all reality, it doesn't seem like it's looking like a win at the beginning of, like, first half didn't look like a win for these people. Bless their hearts. It was just <laughs> messy, and it was, they didn't know that Jesus was sitting. It was just a lot. And I love that he almost starts with, like, the adjustments. He's like, okay, let's, like, figure out what we need to do to, like, get a little bit better, to improve a little bit, like, one step at a time. What are improvements? And if you go to chapter 10, We have listed starting at 19, and even from the beginning of this, you start seeing what's going to happen. And let me just sneak this in because I am dying over the fact that you're calling this a halftime speech. That is the coolest thing in the world. I know, because the end is going to be so good about that. (laughs) But I think what you could give a class like 19 through 39 as a set of verses and say, you find the phrases in here that make a really good halftime speech. Yes. And then... That kind of question would be great to send people into the verses and then ask around and see like, hey, which, which, what phrases were your best ones? Legit. Cool. And when I was thinking about this, I was like, it would be so cool to ask a class like at the beginning, what makes a good halftime speech? Yep. Why do you need a halftime speech? Like yep. if that's your get in, like it would be such an exciting get in to these verses. It's awesome. You know? Yeah. And so he's going to start out. And if you're having a halftime speech, there's going to have to be adjustments. That's just true. You're going to have to talk about, okay, what can we do better? Where do we need to be? And starting in 19, that's what's going to be happening, right? All of a sudden, he's going to be like, okay, we got to be bold. We get to be bold because of the blood of Jesus. Like, that's going to allow us. But we got to be a little bit more bold. Like, let's step into this faith and, like, let's live it confidently, you know? And then it keeps going. And um, I love even verse 22. You can see, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. He's like, okay, we got to start doing some things. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. He's like, we have got to actually give this our all. We have to do it a hundred percent. This game is actually going to be one that's going to require a lot of effort. In verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And then it's even cuter because it's like, look, you really are a team. Yeah. You got to get, like, if you are on the bench, you better start cheering. Like wherever you are on the team, like you have got to play this one as a team. Right. Live in that. Right. Be that. Step up like that. Even I, in, oh yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, we said this a couple of weeks ago, that um, that song that has that lyric in it, is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Mm. And it's like, yes, like we we need to in this already but not yet place. In half, when things seem like we got to remind each other. And it's so okay for us to be like, oh yeah, actually this is a little bit hard. Yeah. The game is hard. Yeah. It's tiring. It's exhausting. 
We can we can be the one that remember like reminds. Yeah. And even verse twenty five, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As the game goes on, you're actually going to need that more. And it seems like when he says at the beginning of twenty five, I thought this yesterday when I was reading this. He's like not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That in the time that this letter was written, it also probably was pretty vogue to think, I don't need to gather together with other Christians to be a Christian. And it seems like they probably had some of the same thoughts that we have today, which is why do I need to get to pull together with everybody? Like I can't, can I have spiritual experiences on my own? And the answer to that is a resounding, yes, we want our personal experiences, but there is something about assembling ourselves together to provoke to love and good works, to remind ourselves what our hope rests in that can't be obtained on your own. You just, you, we need each other to do that. 100%. And Christianity is a team sport. Yeah. You can't do it by yourself. Right. It's so cute. And you can keep going through all these verses and you can find exactly what David say, was saying. It would be so cute to just find all your little places of like, okay, what is a good halftime speech for life? Like, what do I need in my halftime right like now? Like 32. No, <laughs> this is, is the best part. Yes, go, go, no, no, say no, 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 I want you to. I because don't know. you guys, this is the cutest part. And I love <laughs> that in a good halftime speech, like the first part is like, okay, here's our adjustments. But then at the end, if you have yourself as a good coach, the end of the halftime speech is going to be this moment that he's like, now let me inspire you. Like, yeah. now let me get you absolutely hyped out of your mind for the second half of the game. And it feels like starting in verse 31, that's like the switch. Like all of a sudden he's going to be like, okay, now you know what to adjust. Now let me like get you absolutely hyped that you get to play this game because it's actually a thrill. You know, it's actually exciting. It's fun and it's hard, but it is so fun to play. And he starts out going, and I love that he addresses that. He's like, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yeah. It's scary to be faithful. It is scary to have faith that actually good things are coming. It's scary. Like, we can admit that this is scary. Yo, and it's super vulnerable to believe that something better could come without an absolute guarantee, right? Where you're just like, and, and a living God means one who can correct you and things can change and they can be different. And they yes. Can, but but different doesn't mean worse. And I, and I think sometimes we our mind wants to go there about God. It's like, well... You know, some people say like, well, I haven't had very many trials recently, so I guess I can expect him tomorrow. Yeah. And you're just like, what? what Wait, but what, what if he's, yeah. <laughs> what if something really good is coming? Like you just, to, to be in the hands of a living God is as much fearful as it is thrilling. It's, it's both sides. Of and it. I love that it wants to say fall into the hands of the living God. Because mm. for me, when I hear it, like that word automatically, this is like going to be so cheesy. Sorry, everyone. You just, I'm saying it anyways, because this is why I loved this verse so much is if you've like, it reminds me of fall in love, mm-hmm. that like idea. And I love when people like really falling in love with someone is so scary. You don't know what's going to happen. Like it's a little bit of like, oh, are they still going to like me if they know everything about me? Like, is it like if I actually fall in love with God, what is going to happen in my life? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's okay that that's scary. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you fall in love with someone, it is a little bit scary. Right. And I love that it's just like that, like pulls me in, you know, that I'm just like, yes. oh, that's so cute to fall in love with God. And that he's like, it's okay if you're a little afraid. Like, yeah, yeah that could be scary. Yeah. Because I think there's an idea of even of, of Christianity today where it's just like, I want God to kind of fall in love with my life. Like, I want you please to bless my five-year plan. And I want you to bless what I want to do instead mm-hmm. of me falling into his life. Yeah. Me following it, falling into like his ways. Like I've, I've kind of given up a little bit of control there. Right. And faith can sometimes feel like falling. Yeah. And falling is scary. Yeah. Even just falling down the stairs is scary. So I'm like, I can't even like, (laughs) that is a lot. And so I love that. He's like, listen, it's okay. If you're going to be afraid to fall, that's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And then this is his answer for that. He says, listen, 32, but call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. He is sitting down, his team at halftime, and he's saying, listen, I need you to remember every game we had before this. I need you to remember the first time you ever picked up a basketball. I need you to remember the first time you ever believed that God would actually save you. I need you to remember all your first miracles, the beginning of your faith. Mm -hmm. I need you to remember the good days leading up to this half. 
yeah. to where you are right now. Think about them. Think about all of those things. Think about the things that you actually overcame. Yeah, and in this one where he says, especially those times when you were illuminated and endured a great fight of affliction. Almost as if to say, there will be a fight. There will be an opposition to this. And remember, remember when it's happened before, those moments of illumination, but also those moments of affliction that came, the fight that came after them, the fight after the light, you know, or sometimes the fight before the light. Just take on those memories and remember like the fight came, but you endured and there was light or, you know, that just something about all the elements of what it looks like to live a life of faith. You've done it before and remember that you've, you've done it and remember that God was there and remember that you had strength to endure. Like that. So awesome. You called this a halftime speech. I'm still I know so because listen, right this now. is about to be the cutest part because one time I was talking to someone about he was a coach and he his team won state and in high school if you win state that's pretty much the biggest deal of anything that's ever happened in your life before ever yeah and we were talking and for some reason he was telling me his halftime speech and he was like oh actually my halftime speech started at the beginning of the season and i was like what do you mean and he was like every single day i would tell my team someone's winning state today someone's winning state and his team started realizing oh Someone's practicing like they're going to win state. Mm. Someone is actually putting in work in the weight room, and that's why they're going to win state. That was like a battle that they had faced the entire season before the actual state championship game. And all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, so my halftime speech was easy. I said, you already won state Mm. because of everything that you did before this. Cool. And I love that it almost feels like he wants to give the same speech. He's like, oh, wait, actually, remember everything that you already did. Remember every fight all those moments that you actually had to be faithful enough to win. Remember all of those things that led up to this. And then you're going to realize, oh, this has already been won. Mm. You're fine. You got this. Remember those days because you did it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even like the longer you go, it's so cute because by the end, he's like, listen to me in verse 35, cast not away. Therefore your confidence, you go play this game and you play it confidently. I know that my team is going to be good. You can be confident. Because actually the best news of the game is that someone already won. Yeah. We already know the winner of the game. And um, you'll need patience in verse 36, right? You, you'll need it. And then. And because verse 37 is so cute about patience for yet a little while. And he that shall come will come. And I love that. It's just like, oh, just for a little. You just need a little bit of patience because I promise the one who is the king, the high priest of good things to come. It's actually on his way. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And in verse 39, it ends with the cutest end to a halftime speech ever. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. We do not draw back, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That's the team you get to be on. The team of those that believe. Yeah. Which oh. is so cute. You just love that. So awesome. Which is the perfect like setup for chapter 11 which we call the Faith Hall of Fame. Uh, and Paul is going to now like, show all of the different people and all of the stories since the beginning of time of those who lived this out, of those who did not cast away their confidence away, of those who like, kept enduring, of those who did not draw back. And he just gives, it's like you get to walk through the Faith Hall of Fame. And it's like, let me show you people um, who were bo- were born, they lived, and they lived a life of faith, and they died a faithful people. Let me just show you person after person after person of who did this, and how they did this, and what it looked like. And and this whole chapter is might be the one that you just pick. Is, is Oh, this is the chapter I really, really want to focus on. And here's an idea for Hebrews chapter 11. And let me just show, we'll just show you like a little sample and preview of it. And I just got going on this, y'all. So there's two pages of this. Remember, you can find all of these. If you want to screenshot it, screenshot them, or you can see them um, in the app. Always the PDF for these are in the app. But there is this, I think I would take the whole chapter 11 and just say, find the words, find the phrases that describe what faith is and what living faith looks like. What does believing big 
look like in somebody's life. And there's all these different heroes in the way that they live out their faith. So it starts in that verse one with that definition of faith, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That it's just showing that connection between faith and hope, that there are some things that are unseen, but they're rooted in something that you can see. There is an evidence, there is an assurance that gives you the motivation to continue to move forward. Like I can look back what he said in chapter 10, right? Where he said, what he says, call to remembrance the former days. Look back on your experiences and let those give you the motivation to move forward in faith. All these are all connected with each other. Something in the past will motivate you to move forward in the present. And then there will be evidence again because of the act of faith that you've done. And then the next time that there is an act of faith, you, you'll look back on that. You see how it's like a, it's like a cycle that like moves you through. That's what it looks like to live in faith and to live in hope. And it's, it's neat to think that, and, and you're not the only ones doing it. Let me show you all these other people who lived that out and who, who did that. And as you go through, again, I'm just like, these are just like highlights of things that you see, but you see like by faith, Abel offered up that sacrifice unto God and he obtained a witness of it. There's something about faith that when you offer up that sacrifice is a part of the journey of faith and so is obtaining a witness, a part of the journey of faith. Uh, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. And this is such a cool line in verse five. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Like before it ever happened, he That's had faith. a witness of it. It's the before. Right. That's right. the cutest word for me. Right. Yeah. Um, and verse six, it says this, for without faith, it's impossible to please him. Because faith is never just a, what do you say? It's, it's not, it doesn't live in a vacuum. You don't just have faith. You actually have faith in something, or in this case, you have faith in someone. It is always, it can't ever just live by itself as as a word. A person can't just say like, I have faith in general. They have faith, or the Old Testament word for that is a trust in fill in the blank. And in this case, it's in God. It's in his son, Jesus. It's in their promises. It's in the evidence of their presence. It's in the fulfillment of their promises. It's in all of those things. So he says like, that's why it's impossible to please him because we please him by entering into a trusting relationship with him. Faith is a relationship word first and foremost. That's why I love that it's like the first principle of the gospel is enter into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what, it's an invitation to do that is what it is. Well, and there's just something to be said about the fact that he doesn't just want to tell you what faith is, but he actually wants to show you people that lived it. And I just think even just like when you explain that whole thing, I'm like, sometimes we get that confused that sometimes we try to find a definition when in reality, we need to find a story. Well, uh, amen. You know, well said. That yeah. it's just like, oh, wait, these definitions are actually all the more powerful because the story that's attached to it. Someone did it. Someone lived it out. You can imagine what it looked like to, to lay their bed, you know, to lay on their pillow at night and wonder and, and not know yet. And, and what it looked like. Noah, look at verse 7. Yes. Were you done? Were no, you? yeah, oh, keep yeah. going. You're fine. Like warned of God, of things not seen as yet. I love that word in 7. That's mm-hmm. like a word I would pull out. That's a faith word. He moved with faith. Fear. And that, that can be translated so like reverently, cautiously, right? Sometimes that's what it looks like. And he made an ark before it ever, before there was That's ever the cutest a, part is the prepared. Yeah. He prepared an ark. He didn't even know, like, why did he start preparing? Exactly. But it's interesting that he moved, right? It's like without ever seeing anything yet. Yes. That that's actually what it's going to look like. It's going to require us to move while we don't quite see it. Yeah, and so if someone is waiting to see it before they move, this is why he's telling us these stories. There's like, no, 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 that's not the order of how it works. It's not, it's not what happened. There is a translation I read, and I wish I could remember which one, where at the end of seven, and became an heir of righteousness. That word righteousness is a relationship word also in scripture. Not, it doesn't necessarily mean like I didn't lie or cheat or steal or whatever, but 
it, it's connected because like if I don't lie or cheat or steal, that improves my relationship. So it's a relationship mm. word, but as I became intimate and became near and dear to God through it, oh. which is part of what it looks like to live in that relationship of faith. I'm so happy that I'm like, I'm just really, really into this idea that faith is a relationship word. And it's through these living a life of faith that we become dear, we become acquainted with God through these type of experiences. Um, Abraham, like called um, not knowing are the words in verse eight, verse nine, uh, in a strange country. That's, I, that is my favorite part. Right. That I'm just like, wait, I love that he says, listen, faith is going to take you to some strange places. Yes. You know, like that's okay. Yeah. You're not the first person to go there. Actually, you could just go read about Abraham. It's going to make you feel better. Yeah. You know? And that he lived, he dwell, living in tabernacles. Yeah. Those are movable houses. They're not, they don't have a foundation, right? And I don't mean that in the sense of like, you know, like how firm a foundation, but I just like, but you'll move. It's a move. Living in a life of faith is one that packs up and moves. And, and we're in a temporary place. Well, and it's so cute because when you just said that, I was like, that is going to seem so relatable to some people and less relatable to others. And in my head, I was like, that's the cutest part about this whole entire chapter is that it's almost like he wants you to be like, okay, which faith do you need right now? You know, like read all these stories. And maybe you're like in the part that you're like, I feel like I am building an ark in the middle of the summer and it hasn't rained in a million years. Why am I building a boat? Maybe that feels like you and that's the faith that you need. But also, maybe right now, you're the type of person that's like, oh, actually, I need, like, I'm in a strange place and I have no idea what I'm doing. And why do I have to keep going to all these places that I never expected to go? And maybe Abraham is the one that you need to cling on to. Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's just so cute that he's like, no, let me show you that faith could look different for 18 million different people. Yeah. Uh, 11 is awesome. Sarah receives strength. That's a faith word. And then at the end of that, because remember, she was old and she had this baby and she actually has him. The promise was she would, and she actually did. And it said this, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Mm. And this is going to come around at the very end again, but it just keeps coming up that it's faith in someone. She received strength. She looked to, I, I know that you are good. Now, what's interesting is uh, she, they, they were promised a promised land and a promised baby. They got the promised baby, but not the promised land. And that can actually be part of somebody's experience also in faith. And sometimes like, you forget that part of the story, first right, of all. That you never got it. Yeah. It's going to bring that up in just a second. Um, verse 13, it says, They all died in faith, but not receiving the promises. But having seen them far off, they were persuaded of them and they embraced them. And they confessed that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth that this isn't our final destination, that we are living a faith journey and this is not the end. I actually love in 12 that God compares that promise to stars in the heaven because he seems to connect in my mind in verse 12 that the God of covenant is the God of creation, that he's rooting his covenant promises in the fact that he's God of creation. Look at what I did. I hung the stars. So you can have faith in my promises because I'm willing and able to do it. And that it's almost like, just look up. Right. If you forget, if you need, like, I give you actually a reminder that comes every single 24 hours. Yeah. Which right. is so cute. Yes, exactly. If the sun can rise every single day, put your faith in a God of covenant rooted in the fact that he is this almighty God of creation. I think it's really cool that he... Um, connects them together. Verse 16, that phrase, um, to desire a better country. Mm. Like part of faith is to is to look ahead and to desire something better and to know that it's... Which is funny because sometimes we think that we shouldn't desire. And I love that that is like encouraging it. It's like, no, actually you can dream up something and you can hope for something. Mm-hmm. You can want something. That's okay. Yeah. God loves that. That's I think that's exciting to God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Verse 16 also has one of the best verses, and it also is, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Oh. And it's just like, I have faith and trust in him, and it's reciprocal. And he's like, I see you, and I'm not ashamed. I, I would tell all my friends, yep, I'm there. That's my, that's my daughter. That's my son. It's really, that really. That is the cutest thing yeah. I've ever heard in my life. Um, Okay, I know Remember? you see how yeah. excited you guys, it just keeps more and more and more. But let's just go, go a little bit quickly through this. Um, 
faith, by faith, he was, he was tried in his faith. He offered something up in his faith. In verse 19, Abraham was accounting that God was able to raise him up. When God asked him to offer up Isaac, it says he considered the fact that God could raise him from the dead if he actually offered him. He was like, I know what you're able to do, which is why I'm able to have this kind of trust in you. That God was able, and this word in verse 19, even to do this. He's able even to do fill in the blank. Like what a great way to live your life, to, to account and consider that God is able even what? Even to do what in, in your life story? 21, talking about Jacob leaning at the end of his life, living this, like that's such a faith word. They saw in verse 23, but were not afraid. That's Moses' mom and dad. That they were told, kill all the babies. But they saw something in Moses that was better. That's something that I see potential in you. And then they, I'm not afraid to disobey what the king has said. I'm not afraid to sacrifice. I'm not afraid in verse 24 to refuse a life, to choose rather in 25. I would rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because Moses esteemed, decided, considered that the reproach of Christ was greater than the riches in the treasures of Egypt. Like he was like, I choose this because I believe that where it will go is better than any of the treasures of Egypt. I can sacrifice Egypt for this because of what I believe it can become because I have hope in, in greater things to come in that. that. That's so gritty to think about their lives and to think about, you know, that what they gave up and how they did it. And then that list that you just, the, anyways, I'm skipping so many, but yeah, you just have You to, have to just read this whole chapter. Because you can't go to the whole hall of fame right yeah. now. Okay. <laughs> But then starting in 33, he starts talking to all these people. Even the writer of the Hall of Fame. This is a cute story. You have like, to say this. Yeah. He's just like, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me. That's a cute I'm running part. out of ink to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets who, listen to this, starting in 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. They waxed valiant and fight. They turned to flight the armies. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, but looking forward to a better resurrection. Others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Others were put in chains or imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, and then this line in 38, mm. of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith or a, or a witness, received not the promise. They lived through all of that without ever seeing it come to pass. But God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And you can just hear the awe and the, 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 the inspiration of looking to all these people who they didn't have charmed lives, but they, but they trusted in God and they endured it well and they made it. They died in faith and God has something better in store for them. Like their sacrifice was worth it. And this world is not worthy to have had them in it. And it's just it, it, like, it's so motivating to, to just look to others. I think it's the reason, one of the reasons that we, again, we gather together and we hear people's stories of faith and we see them live trusting in God, even though their circumstances aren't improving yet. There's just something about that that's so motivating that I hear your story of faith and it motivates me to continue in mine. So speak up, speak your faith. Talk about the fear of falling into the hands of the living God. 
but that you choose still, that talk about, I sacrificed this because I believe in something better. Nothing good has ever come in my life without having to like move through a period of wanting to give up. Wanting to give up. And we talk a lot about quit sinning, but we should probably talk more about the sin of quitting. And he's just like, don't give up. Stay, stay in it. Stay strong. Don't draw back. Uh, uh, they've done it. And, and they're, they're with you. And, the, and, and, and I think there's just something really, really powerful about walking through that faith hall of fame um, and, and, and creating a faith Hall of Fame among our, our communities, our wards, and our, and our neighbors and friends and families to encourage each other in, in continuing to live this life of faith. Well, and it's so thrilling to me to think like, oh, actually, these were just normal people. The only difference was faith. Yes. And it's such a thrill to me to be able to like at the bottom of this chapter in my scriptures, I just like wrote like by faith, grace, dot, dot, dot. And it's like oh, that your is, own name. yeah, my, oh yes, yeah, yeah, true. It's yeah. tricky that my name is Grace. Yeah. Um, like by faith, Grace, my name that in my head, it, that makes me so excited to wake up every single day and be like, oh, actually what story could God write in my life right now? If I wake up and choose faith, Yes. you know, yeah. cause those are, these are thrilling stories. Yeah. By faith, Abel, by faith, Daniel, yeah. by faith, Noah, by faith and by faith, put your name in there. What, what will you do? What will you, you know? How exciting that we believe in the same God that they do. Yes. You know? Yes. Because then all of a sudden our life can be just as thrilling as theirs mm-hmm. because of him. And can be inspiring as well. Like, like it just continues on. It just keeps motivating more and more. Mm-hmm. So cool. Okay. Um, uh, oh, so yeah. you're going to, no, well, I was just going to say, whoever did the chapter break here did a they bad job. You. They tricked yeah. you. Do not end at the end of chapter 11 because the end of chapter 11 actually is the beginning of chapter 12. It has to be a comma at the end. You have to realize you won't like chapter 12 as much unless you don't like, you have to read the beginning with chapter 11 because that is, it's a continuation. Yeah. If you just land in chapter 12, you missed, like you jumped into like you the forgot. end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. You accidentally forgot what makes this so powerful. And he's, you become those annoying people. They're like, wait, who's that? What, what happened? happened? What happened? <laughs> Stop. What happened with that? Go back and read Who's 11. he talking about? Who's he talking about? <laughs> um, because he really does start. And he's like, listen, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. If you accidentally just start in verse 12, in chapter 12, this is the part that you say, who's he talking about? Yeah. Right? But if you know, then all of a sudden he's saying, listen, guess who you're surrounded with? You're surrounded by Abraham and Joseph and Moses, and you're surrounded by um, Enoch and Abel. All these people that I just talked about in chapter 11, those are actually the people that you're surrounded with. And it gets even cuter because- And and what a gift of scripture is for us, that scripture allows us to live in a cloud of witnesses. Yeah. It allows you to live side by side with the matriarchs and the patriarchs of faith. It, like, it, 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 it reminds you the believing blood that you have running in your veins. Like it is a gift to have scripture for that reason. And because sometimes in our head, we might think it's hard to find, but I love that he wants to say that it's a cloud because like, you know, when you're in an airplane and you look out the window and you're going through a cloud, if you've ever, like, if you've had that experience and you're like, all you can see is the cloud. And I love that that's how he describes it, that he's like, oh, no, wait, actually, there's so many that that's all you can see. Mm. You know, you're surrounded by that many people. It is a cloud. It will like, it will be everywhere over you. And it gets even cuter because what's going to happen is he's going to say um, in verse one of chapter 12, and the sin which that so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. All of a sudden, it really is going to turn into a race. That is what he's going to want to describe. And for me, I don't run, and I for sure don't do races. That is not my personality. But if it was, <laughs> I love that he wants to say, you actually on the race, which actually makes it better because I'm like, oh my gosh, even if you pretend like you like races, you don't like races, okay? That is not fun, and they are hard. Racing is hard, and running is terrible. So I'm like, yeah, that is true. Sometimes I feel like that. And I love that he's like, listen, actually... You have cheerleaders the whole way. Yeah. 
And at the end, there's going to be people like cheering you on and championing you. And I love that, like, I had a friend that just ran a half marathon and the whole week leading up, like he would send reminders that he was like running it. Like he was like, Hey, make sure like, just so you know, like this is, I'm running my half marathon and you better be there with a sign. And I love that he wants you to know, like, just so you know, there's going to be people that show up on the sidelines with signs for you. Yeah. And that's the, this cloud the imagery that he's showing is this cloud of witnesses are those people that are now lining the end of your race and the middle and the beginning. They are lining their race course and they are cheering you on. It is not a race against each other in this community of faith. We like they, they did it. And now they're standing on the sidelines cheering you on. Which is the cuter part that they did it first. Yeah. Because on mile five, they're actually going to know what you need to hear because they already did mile five. I know five. what mile five is like. Yeah, let me let me stand on mile five because I was there. And everybody who is like li- listening to this right now who has ran a race or is a runner is getting like goosebumps. And they're like getting a little emotional and they're getting choked up. I know because like I can feel it in my throat <laughs> because like that experience of coming to a finish line of something that was really, really hard to do is, is a really emotional and I would even say a spiritual experience. Like, you're just like, I did it. I finished. I did it. And it just makes me think about last week when Paul just, or two weeks ago when Paul was like, I, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. And just what, what that must be. And to have all of these people just cheering you on as you, as you run this race of faith that all of us are in. Like, it just is, there's something, it's like really, the imagery in this is so sweet and so good and it's so encouraging and it's so tender to me, to me to think like oh actually some of my favorites get to be on my sidelines yes you know and that's actually what the worksheet for this week is um it's the idea of believing big but even more specifically it's your cloud of witnesses and it makes me want to stop and think okay in my mile that i'm on right now in my race who is holding the sign on the sidelines and we, it's just like this giant cloud, which is so cute <laughs> and empty. But um, like in my head, when I look at this, like what I want to do is I don't only like, I want to start thinking about scripture people, maybe from Hebrews 11, but also in my life right now, I'm like, oh, actually, like one of my cloud of witnesses, I want to be Esther and I want to write her in my cloud. And like, oh, why is she cheering me on? Why can I look at her faith? Like a little sign on mile seven, you know? What is her message to me going to be? And then in my head, I'm also like, but also I want it to be people that I really know. Right. You know, who are the people in your life that you could write a faith hall of fame for? That you're like, oh, actually, by faith, David has showed me what it actually looks like to live a life with Jesus. He like, he like taught me what it looks like to fall in love with Jesus and live that. Like, I want to write him on my cloud. You know what I'm saying? Or like, oh, actually, my mission president or that one friend from high school or whoever it is just making this list. And there's something so powerful to me of combining like my heroes from books of scripture with the people that are cheering me on right now in my life and showing what it looks like to live a life in faith. Yeah. And, and again, I know I just, I know I keep coming back to this and we're going to actually end with this too. So it's like, Surprise. Sorry. Fine. You get it, along. But it just is that idea of ga- gathering together with people of faith can, that cannot be, that the power of that cannot be overstated of, of just what that looks like. And, and I love that you just did that both scripturally that the, the temple actually connects us with people of the past, scriptural heroes of the past. And, just if you are a temple going person that you, that if you think through that, that's going to make sense. But, but then to fill it with like people that you actually know. And as you were just talking about that, I was like, man, who would I put on my cloud of witnesses? And, and I just have a, a neighbor and a friend who her husband passed away a year ago and like just the year anniversary just, just kind of came. And I was just talking to her on Sunday at church and I was like, and it just made me think like, I'm so glad I went to church for that conversation you know, to, you know, and to hear her say, this is hard, you know, but we're making it. And just to see her live in that kind of faith and, and trust and, you know, in, in an unanswered, but hope in a, in a promise. And just to, 
it's an honor to like sit in a pew near someone like that. And what a shame if, if we're not able to hear each other's stories of faith and live in each other's stories of faith and encourage each other on. And this is just an, I hope that this becomes like a, just a, a realization to, you know, and, and Paul's advice, he's like, these, these witnesses, they'll remind you to lay aside. They give you, they give you like permission and they give you encouragement to drop things out of your life. Like let sin go, let these weights go and, and have patience. And they just, it, it lets it, it helps you live out what he's trying to help you live out. And I just think in my head, I'm like, oh, I want to fill this out. And then I want to rip it out of my journal. And I want to put it on my mirror every single day. Because really along the way, sometimes you just do want someone to show up with a poster that's going to cheer you on. And what if that just gets to be your poster every single day when you wake up? Oh. Like, oh, like today I can remember that like this person I'm is. In, I'm in my race. Yeah. There's my poster on yeah, my mirror. Exactly. That every day I could just keep going because I'm like, oh, someone showed up with a poster for me. Yeah. And today it was Esther and tomorrow it's going to be David and the next day it's going to be so-and-so, you know? And I just want to say this. If you're in a Sunday school class or and you have somebody in your class or someone in your neighborhood or someone that you know, like bring posters and bring a bunch of markers. Oh, that would be the cutest thing you, in the whole world. you find the good verses in here and you write race posters. And go leave it at their house or go, I don't know. Do Which is even cuter clever. because then that's such a good idea that, oh, actually you could show up as the cloud. Yeah. Go, you be, know? The, go be the cloud for somebody. Yeah. Also. That's the cutest idea yeah. ever. And then you guys, unfortunately, and by unfortunately, I mean super fortunately, <laughs> this chapter only gets better. I'm like, how did he do that? Because then immediately after, um, he's going to say in verse two, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And there's something about him being called the author and the finisher after just reading all of these stories that you just can't help but like that is like, what better names for him than right then? Right. You know? That like, it's almost as if sometimes when you read maybe Hebrews 11, you're like, oh, my story doesn't sound as good as theirs. Mine doesn't look like theirs. Oh, don't worry. Because you have the same author as them. Mm. He's going to write a story that is just as good as theirs for you. Yeah. You can believe that. Yeah. The one that wrote theirs is actually going to write yours. And then not only that, but he gets to be your finisher. Yeah. And that is actually um, the word for this week. And it's so tender to me that he wants to, after listing all of these stories, he's going to call him the author. But after reminding you that it's a race, he's going to call him the finisher. And that he's going to be the completer and the perfecter and the accomplisher. And that all of a sudden it's this moment that, oh, actually, you are going to finish the race because he already did. And on mile 25, when you're like, nope, this is not going to work. And my feet, I have to cut them off because this is the worst pain in the whole entire world. <laughs> that's what I imagine. I'm just guessing that that's how you feel. Um, you get to know that he actually was the one that finished. Mm -hmm. He's got it. Yeah. He'll take care of you. Yeah. And, and not there's that phrase that people use, like a finished carpenter, the person who comes in and finishes it all and makes it look pretty and, and perfects it and puts the crown on it eventually. But I just love also that he, he's that, that finisher. And I love those two words in verse three that say, consider him, you know, look, look to, look to him who um, finished and wanted that prayer in Gethsemane where he just like begs and says, if there's some other way, like, please open up that door. It's almost as if in Gethsemane, he collapses and says, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can make this. This is too hard and this is, and this is too heavy. But he didn't draw back and he didn't give up. And verse two tells us why? Because for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That we look to him in the same way that he looked to us 
and thought, I'm not going to give up. I'm, I, I, I'm not, for you, I'm not going to give up. And we're called to do the same. Consider him. For him, don't give up. Look, look at what he did and let that inspire you to keep going one more day and one more week and one more, one more month. Uh, believing in the promises that the high priest of good things to come has, has laid before us. And it's so powerful to me that he wants to remind you after all of these stories that the story is actually his. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, oh, actually, this is my story. I'm the author. And I'm the finisher because the story is guaranteed to have a happy ending. Mm. I get to do it. I wrote it and I finished it. Yeah. It's so yeah. exciting. It's just the cutest little book. So ever. good. Now, there is this last little thought that we want to share here at the end in chapter 13. Like we said at the beginning, that this is a story of God's faithfulness. The scriptures are a story of God's faithfulness. And then you get to see stories of people's reactive faithfulness back. They're answering of their faithfulness back. And like Paul does in a lot of his letters, he just says, okay, if that's the case, if this is a, if this is what a faith journey looks like, and if we are on it all together, and if it's going to be hard, and if it's going to be already and not yet, if all of these things are, if this is the condition of mortality, then 13.1, let brotherly love continue. And don't forget this, what the scriptures lay out throughout the entire thing is called the hospitality code, which is, was a rich and a like, um, oh, like it was a binding part of their life in, among nomadic tribes because survival depended on it, that they took care of each other and they took it seriously. And they're like, wait. We cannot do this alone. And other people cannot do this alone. We have to take this journey together. In the journal, we put a couple of scriptures and we can and we put them up on this board too so you can see them. Just maybe start your mind spinning at looking at this thing called the hospitality code. In Hebrews, he says, don't forget to take care of people because some have actually taken care of angels unaware. That is the cutest verse yeah. ever. Bye. Right. Like treat people as if they might be angels, whoever they are. And it's so cute because you're like, oh, they probably are. Yeah. And they probably like, are. Oh. Because that's what it looks like to live the hospitality code, is to live as if you have um, angels um, among you. It just makes me, every time that verse makes me think about that story of Christian, my little Christian, when he was at McDonald's up in Salt Lake. Oh, yeah. And he... uh <laughs> And he did like he was in line, and there was just an old man in line behind him, and so he bought <laughs> some fries him. for him <laughs> because he was like, "Do you want to share our fries with us, me and my friends?" You know, these little thirteen-year-olds at the table, and then they just you know ate fries all together, and you know, and and then he leaved, and they had this best conversation with each other, and just encouraged each other, and loved each other, and then and then he got up and left, and when he left, his friend was just like, "I think that was." Um, Elder Oaks. And Christian said, is that your bishop? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, like he speaks in conference. I love him. <laughs> yeah. Like he speaks in conference, you know? He speaks in conference. And then they look like, him up. Like that's his only job, yeah, just they, speaking yeah, in yeah. conference. They look him up and then I see that it really was. And, the, and it was just awesome because, you know, the Christian treated him like an angel, not because he was Elder Oaks, but because he looked like a, a lonely older man, you know? <laughs> And then just how sweet it was that they shared that encouraging moment with each other, not knowing who each other was. And, and it's just like, this is what it looks like to live like that. And then Christian left McDonald's and went up and said, hey, I really like your talks. No. So, and he probably hadn't heard any at that point, but just like the encouragement to each other is so sweet. If you go to Exodus 20, 23.9, um, this is a verse that reminds the children of Israel, um, you were once strangers in a foreign land. You know what this is like. And, and a lot of us have different life experiences, but there are a lot. We know what it means to live loneliness. And we know what disappointment is. And we know what heartache is. And we know what it is to be a stranger. And we know what it is to be left behind. The details might be different, but we know those things. And it's a reminder 
You know people's hearts. You know what it's like to live mortality. Remember that. And and then in Matthew 25, 35, this great, this, you know, one of the greatest section of verses where the Savior said, this is what matters most to me about your time in mortality. That if I, I was hungered and you gave me meat, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. And the righteous shall answer and say, when did we see you? And he reminds us, see the need and then meet the need with what it is that, mm. that people need. But this is what it looks like we, on this. If this faith journey really does look like this, if it looks like, um, where's that? Where's that page of all those things, you know, where if, if it looks like um, not yet, and if it looks like desiring something better, if it looks like having to forsake and refuse and choosing, if it looks like leaning upon, if it looks like fear sometimes, if it looks like trials, if, it, if that's really what the faith journey looks like, we need each other and we need to take care of each other. And, 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 um, and Hebrews ends with an invitation to live the law. I mean, to live a life of faith, but to live a life of faith together. Oh. So good. We're so happy we get to do life together. I know. This is the best news. <laughs> I know. You know, I'm like, you have a graduating class. <laughs> Like we'll get, to, like go to, we'll get like, to go to heaven and be like we did. Like, how do you guys know? Each, how, do you, how do you guys know each other? It's like we did Earth together. <laughs> so cute. So we cool. All right, we're we'll, so lucky. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs> this audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.